One of my favorite things as a parent is when my wife, Corrine, and I show our kids movies that we watched as a kid. It is so much fun to see our kids enjoy the things that we enjoyed when we were their age. Now, some movies have aged really, really well. Like Star Wars, for example. Even though special effects are far better today than, than when the Star Wars movies came out, the story still holds up. The characters are still fascinating. My kids enjoy Star Wars as much as I enjoy Star Wars. Another movie that has held up really well is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. If you haven't watched it lately, you really should. The idea of skipping school and having to hide from your parents and the principal, it's comedy gold today, just like when it first came out. Or The Princess Bride. It's still so wholesome and cheesy and quotable, just like it was when the day that Princess Bride came out. Not everything has held up quite so well, though. Uh, There was a a show that hit the streaming service not long ago, and I was so excited to show it to my kids because I really, really enjoyed it when I was younger, and I I was just certain that they were going to enjoy it the same way that I had enjoyed it, and they did not. And that show was The Incredible Hulk from around 1980. The spray-painted green man who growls all the time just did not hold their attention. They laughed in places that weren't intended to be funny, and they hated it, and I don't even know that we made it through the entire first episode. When it comes to God's Word, Scripture is timeless. Part of God's plan was that those words would be relevant to the people when they were communicated in that day and that they would be relevant to each and every person throughout every generation throughout all time. That's the beauty of God's word. There are some scriptures though that that seem so relevant in our current context. I feel like it was written earlier today and written just to me. Maybe you feel that way too. Now, the sad reality about that aspect of Scripture is that means we're struggling with the same things today that people have struggled with through all time. The sins we are wrestling with are the same sins of every generation. We are not getting better at not doing the things that God wants us to not do. That's the sad news. The good news, though, is that God's plan for redemption is just as relevant today in our lives as the day that it was presented in Scripture. Good morning. My name is Ben Lee. Uh, My family and I have been coming to Central for more than 24 years. We love this church. However long you've been here, I hope that you love this church as well. I'm not on staff here, but it is always a tremendous privilege whenever Pastor Jeff gives me the opportunity to share a little bit about what God has placed on my heart. Will you pray with me this morning as we get started? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the gift of scripture that you have given us, which is timeless. I pray this morning that you would use scripture to teach us the things that you want us to learn today about you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have issues. We like to do things our way. We think that we have something special and unique to offer in every situation. 
If we're watching a sporting event, we think that we know better than the coaches what plays should be called. And if they would just call on us, the game would go so much better. Or if we're out to eat at a restaurant and we see a kid misbehaving at the next table, we think that with our unique parenting skills, if we could apply those in that situation, that kid who had previously been misbehaving would suddenly become an angel. Or we just wish that our bosses would trust us because certainly we know better than they do how we should run the company and why don't they just trust us more. We think that with our brains and our ingenuity, there's just simply no situation that we can't make better if we put our touch on that situation. It's like the old Frank Sinatra song. We want to be able to say, I did it my way and I did it on my own. And the world reinforces this idea, unfortunately. There's a lot of motivational phrases that suggest that we should just look to ourselves. Things like, you've got this. Or, you are enough. If it is to be, it is up to me. Or, she believed she could, so she did. All these phrases suggest that we only need to look inward to find everything we need to, to tackle the challenges that we're going to face in life. That we have all that we need inside of us to succeed. Now, this isn't a new tendency. We're not the first generation to wrestle with this. Paul saw this in the church in Galatia, and he addressed it in his letter to the Galatians. And the, there's a verse that I want to share with you this morning, and it's been working away at my heart for the past several months, and it's my hope that when I share it with you, it's going to start working away at your heart too, because my guess is your struggle is similar to my struggle. The verse that I'm going to share with you suggests the absurdity of trying to do things our way. And the verse is found in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. And it goes like this. Are you so foolish? And when Paul says, are you so foolish, he's really saying, you are so foolish. After beginning by means of the Spirit, why are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? As I said, Paul wrote this to the Christians in Galatia. These were new Christ followers, and they'd started off really well. They were trusting God. They were, they were following his teachings. They were trying to live the way that Jesus lived. They were excited about God's grace and about his, his plan for salvation. But then their desire to do things their own way got in their own way. Rather than trusting in the grace of God, they started trying to do things on their own. They created additional rules that they said you had to follow if you wanted to follow Jesus. They were trusting in themselves and their own wisdom rather than trusting in God's. And it wasn't what God wanted, and so Paul called it out. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of of the flesh. So the issue isn't new for us. It happened in the church in Galatia, and when Paul saw it, it wasn't a new issue even then. The Galatians weren't the first people to wrestle with trusting themselves more than trusting God. About 700 years earlier, there was a prophet named Jeremiah, and he was warning the people of Judah about the exact same thing. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah says, This 
is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Jeremiah was warning the people about the exact same dangers. I want you to look at verse 5 again. It says that if we draw strength from our flesh, if we try to do things on our own, that in the process we are turning our hearts away from God. Jeremiah says you can trust yourselves or you can trust God, but you can't do both. So Paul wasn't the first person to encounter the situation when he was in Galatia. Jeremiah saw it too. And in fact, all of Scripture is filled with people who wrestled with trusting themselves more than they trusted God. Whether it was Abraham and Sarah who didn't trust God's plan to give them children, they had a plan they wanted to try first. Or Jonah who didn't trust God and his plan for the people of Nineveh, but he thought he knew better what the people of Nineveh needed. In fact, we can go back to the very first recorded time in human history when people tried to do things their way rather than God's way. As it turns out, this desire to do things by means of the flesh was the very first sin ever committed. It happened in the Garden of Eden when life was perfect and God had only one rule and that rule was don't eat fruit from this one tree. Genesis chapter 3. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you'll die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. God had a plan. But Adam and Eve decided they didn't want to trust God's plan. They weren't content to trust in God's knowledge. They wanted that knowledge for themselves. They wanted to be able to do things in their own strength. See, there's a reason that Paul's challenge to the Galatians seems as relevant today as the day it was written, and that's because it gets at the very heart of the human condition since the very beginning of humankind. We want to do things our way, and we want to do things on our own. Most of life is about moving from dependence to independence. It's about learning how to do things on our own. As soon as we're born, we begin trying to to do things without help, whether it's learning how to feed ourselves or learning how to take our first steps or learning how to ride a bike without training wheels or, or learning how to drive. It's all about learning how to function on our own, about not needing other people to do things for us. This past year, we hit three big milestones towards independence in the Lee household. I'll start first with our youngest, with Nadia. She's learning how to drive. Up until now, she's depended on Corrine and I to get her everywhere that she needs to go. But now we're teaching her how to, how to park and how to change lanes and follow street lights and all of those sorts of things. And pretty soon, she's going to be able to get where she needs to go without any assistance from her parents. She's moving from dependence to independence. 
And our middle child, Elena, who, by the way, is, is uh, playing the keyboard for worship today. And I have to tell you, it's pretty fun to have an opportunity to serve in ministry uh, with, with one of my kids. But Elena, uh, Roosevelt High School determined that she had learned the things she needed to learn at the high school level. And so now she's free to move out of our house and go away off to college and start learning on her own, independent of us, because she's moving from dependence to independence. And our oldest, Isaiah, he's been in college for a few years, but this last summer, he did an internship out in Rapid City. So even though he's been away from us in college, he still had professors, he had residence hall directors, he had some people keeping an eye on him, but not last summer when he was living out in Rapid City. When he was there, he had to do everything on his own. He did all his own cooking. He did all his own cleaning. He had to get himself up and ready for work. In every single way, except financially, Isaiah was independent. <laughs> and as, as the parents of our kids, we celebrate these milestones because life is about moving from dependence to independence. That's what we're raising our kids to do. And even though each one of these milestones reminds us that it won't be long before our nest is empty, we still celebrate these things as good things because that's what society is about. But when it comes to our relationship with God, that's not the goal. In God's kingdom, the rules are different. God's plan isn't for us to learn from him for a while and then to start doing things on our own. We don't gain enough Bible knowledge that we can graduate from needing God's grace and his mercy and his wisdom in our lives. God's not trying to help us leave his nest and navigate the world without him. It's not like we have the Holy Spirit for a while and then we have to start figuring things out on our own. God's influence in our lives is not intended to be training wheels that we eventually learn how to ride without We aren't supposed to go from depending on God to independence from God as we grow in wisdom. God's desire for each of us is that as we grow in wisdom, we become more and more dependent on him every day. That we would look to him for guidance for every situation in our lives. But like so many people before us, we fall into the trap of living our faith the same way we live the rest of our life. We want to do things our way. We think and we act as if the goal is to become less reliant on God. And Paul says to us, are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? See, when we come to faith in Christ, we recognize our need for him to save us. We know that our sins have created a debt that we can't pay, but that through Jesus we can be made right with God and that we can have a relationship with him. We fully embrace a life with Christ, with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, bringing us into fellowship with God, and then little by little we have this tension because we want to do things our way. 
It doesn't tend to be immediately obvious, though. This isn't what I would describe as a backwards hoodie type situation. If you put your hoodie on backwards, you know right away that you made a mistake, right? I mean, you don't start walking with that hoodie on backwards and say, I'll get to that later. No, a backwards hoodie situation, you know you have to correct right away. But this tension, this moving away from God is not a backwards hoodie situation. It's a little bit more like carbon monoxide in your house. It's slow and, in, and it's gradual, but it's eventually going to cause you some problems. When it comes to our relationship with God, it tends to be a slow and a gradual turn away from God's plan in our life towards living in our flesh, towards living in our own strength. We tend to still lean on God for the really big things because we know those are out of our control, but we start trying to do the small things, the day-to-day things on our own. I was talking to a friend about this issue earlier this week, and he said that he felt God say to him recently, why do I only hear from you when you're in trouble? Why do you move so far away from me when things are good? This is one of those cases where our American values actually work against us. Have you ever heard the phrase, pull yourself up by your bootstraps? The phrase is used to imply that you can reach down, grab part of your boot, and lift up, pull up, and raise yourself higher without any assistance. And we use that phrase to suggest that that's the goal of of life. But that's not the way the phrase was originally intended when they came up with it. Originally, it was used to describe something that people thought was absurd. Because, see, it's actually impossible, according to the laws of physics, to reach down, pull yourself up, and raise yourself higher without a lever or a handle or a step or something to assist you in pulling yourself up. And so when that phrase was coined, it was used to mock people for trying to do something that was impossible, for trying to do something that can't be done. But we've turned it into a motto for self-sufficiency. We use that phrase to suggest that we actually can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And while it's good for us to not depend on others for things that we could and should do on our own, it's a really dangerous mindset and it starts to pervade our spiritual perspectives. Friends, God doesn't want you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. He doesn't want you to try to earn salvation on your own. He doesn't want you to try to become more like Jesus all by yourself. He doesn't want you to navigate this world without his help. Those mindsets run counter to his life plans for you. Jesus was the greatest man who ever lived. What percentage of the things that he accomplished on earth do you think he did in his own strength? It's kind of a quiz time here. I'm going to show you a list of some of the things that Jesus did. He turned water into wine. He fed thousands of people. He traveled from town to town to preach and teach. He walked across water. He healed blind people. He preached the Sermon on the Mount. He raised Lazarus from the dead, and he died, and he rose again. What percentage of the things from that list do you think Jesus did in his own strength? As it turns out, Jesus answers that question for us in John chapter 8, verse 28. And he says, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, 
and that I do nothing on my own. Jesus said, I do nothing on my own. And when he said it, what do you think that he meant? Do you think it was hyperbole, exaggeration for the point of emphasis? Do you think that what he really meant was, I do a few things on my own, but I trust God for the big things that I can't handle on my own? I feel pretty confident that Jesus said exactly what he meant, that he did nothing on his own. So why do we think we should do things on our own? Why do we think we should try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps? As we strive to become more like Jesus, maybe we should focus less on copying his actions and focus more on his dependence with his heavenly father because it was that dependent relationship with God that allowed Jesus to do the things that Jesus did. Let's become more like Jesus by becoming more reliant on God. Remember, Paul says, after beginning by means of the Spirit, don't try to finish by means of the flesh, by your own strength. There are a lot of reasons why we shouldn't trust our own strength, and I want to share two of them with you. First, when we try to do things out of our own strength, we're limited by our own strength which sounds pretty obvious, but it needs to be said. Our strength isn't infinite. It's not going to last forever. There are things that we can't do. And the older I get, the more aware of that I am. I get tired sooner. I run a little bit slower. I lift a little bit less weight. I sigh a lot more often. And earlier this week, I hurt my back while walking the dog. And if you're over 45 like me, that's not going to sound like a surprise to you. But if you're young, you may not feel the limitations of your strength. But the Bible actually says all of us have limits to our strength. In Isaiah chapter 40, it says, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Now, if you have small children running around your house, you may doubt this verse. You may think, my kid can go and go and go forever. But they have limits too. And the fun thing is, if you happen to be around a kid, when they hit the wall or hit their limits, they just stop and get the rest they need wherever they are. It doesn't matter if they're picking out a pumpkin. It doesn't matter if they're watching TV. And it doesn't matter if they're doing their own private business. Our strength has limits. So why do we take things away from a limitless God and try to do things on our own? Dwayne The Rock Johnson weighs 275 pounds. And as you can see in the picture, he's pretty much pure muscle. When The Rock works out, he uses dumbbells that weigh 150 pounds and he'll carry one in each hand. When he does leg presses, he can do a leg press of 450 pounds, 8 to 12 reps, one leg at a time. He's also able to bench press that same amount of weight, 450 pounds. When I lift weights, I can lift a little bit less than that. (laughs) And I'm guessing that that's true for you. So if you saw the rock carrying something heavy, would you go up to him and offer to carry it for him? Of course we wouldn't do that. That would be crazy. We recognize that the rock is stronger than we are. 
Friends, God is stronger than the rock. So why do we try to carry things on our own that God wants to help us with? Why do we take over and trust ourselves more than we trust God? We can trust God to carry the load. We don't need to take things from him that he wants to carry for us. The first reason we shouldn't do things out of our own strength is because we're limited by our own strength. Second, when we try to take on something that we weren't equipped for, we tend to simplify things down into terms we can understand. And that ends up resulting in a focus on rules and modifying our behavior. In the business world, when leaders don't know how to lead well, they tend to add rules for their followers. Leaders who lack confidence tend to get overly prescriptive with their teams. Rather than casting a big vision and then equipping their team with all the skills and resources they need to go after that vision, leaders who don't know what they're doing tend to create a to-do list. Do this, don't do that. Because see, when you aren't confident, you try to control the things that you do understand. And that's what the believers in Galatia were doing. They were new Christ followers and they were having a really hard time letting go of the old laws that they had been required to keep. They were struggling to trust in Jesus' death alone for their salvation. They found it scary to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So they wanted to add back in a few rules that needed to be followed. See, rules felt comfortable to them because it gave them that sense of control. Grace is hard to understand, but rules are easy to understand. So they were making a to-do list. When we focus on the rules, though, when we focus on the things that we can and can't do, we minimize what Jesus did for us. Jesus didn't die for us on a cross so that we could keep following the same rules that had already been put in place. He died so that we might be free. But when we focus on the rules, we're not walking in God's spirit, and it's not what God wants for us. It's not going to help us grow in our relationship with God. And it's also not attractive to the people around you that are not yet followers of Jesus. There are people in your world that know you follow Jesus and they don't yet, but they're looking at you and saying, that's what it means to follow Christ. And when we end up resorting to following a bunch of rules and modifying our behavior, rather than depending on God, we're not serving God well. We're not painting the right picture of what new life in Christ is supposed to be like. I was talking to a coworker not long ago when she was telling me about growing up in a, a Christian home and going to church every Sunday morning. And she talked to me about going off to a Christian college and, and meeting her husband there. But then she said something that surprised me. She said, I'm not religious anymore. Those were her exact words. And so I asked her what caused her to walk away from her faith. And she said, growing up in her family, there was such a focus on rules. There was this spirit of legalism in her family. And that same spirit of legalism was, was in her church. And then she went off to college and she was confronted with more legalism. It was all about the things that she couldn't do. And she couldn't square that up with the things that she read about Jesus and his grace and his mercy in the Bible. And because what she was reading about in the Bible didn't match up with, with what other Christ followers were telling her, 
heard that life in Christ was supposed to be like, she just decided she didn't want any of it anymore. A rules-based religion isn't appealing to those around us who have not yet accepted the forgiveness that Jesus has to offer. And when we try to do things in our own strength, we inevitably start relying on rules because they give us that sense of control. And that's not good for your own faith. It falls short of the spirit-filled life that God wants for you. And it's not a good witness to others around you about the life that God wants to offer to them. See, there are consequences for others when we do things in our own strength. The Bible is really clear about the difference in outcomes between trusting our strength and trusting God's. I do believe that people are capable of extraordinary things, but that those things pale in comparison to what God is capable of doing. You aren't enough. You might feel like you're succeeding, like you're winning at life, but if you're doing things on your own strength, I promise you the things you're accomplishing are far less than God could accomplish if you surrender your life to him. Now, I'm not saying that everything's always going to turn out the way that you want, but God's plan for your life is far better than any plan you could come up with on your own. And God's strength is far greater than yours. I want to go back to that passage in Jeremiah where he says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man. He then paints this picture of a barren wasteland. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They won't see prosperity. They're going to dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Now immediately after Jeremiah says this, then he paints another picture about what life with God is like. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. When we trust God, we are being continually nourished. We have a source of constant strength and encouragement. That phrase, it does not fear when heat comes, what that means is when things get tough, we're not going to wither. We're not going to wilt. And we will continue to bear fruit. Do you want to live in a desert or an oasis? Those are the choices that we have. We're at the point in my message where I really wish I could tell you a story about how I have learned to trust God completely. How I've become totally dependent on God all the time. How I've surrendered my life to him in every situation. And then I'd love to be able to tell you how that has changed my life. But I'm not there yet. The sin of self-sufficiency, which has been a struggle for all of humankind since the beginning of time, it's still a struggle for me. I can tell you what I want, though. All I want is to be completely and totally reliant on God. I want to depend 100% on my Heavenly Father as my sole source of wisdom and strength. I want to stop doing things my way and I want to start doing things God's way all the time. 
And I'm willing to bet that that's what you want too. As we begin a new year and, we, and people around us are making goals and, and resolutions about all the things that they want to accomplish and how they want to try harder and take more control of their lives, how about if we instead acknowledge that we aren't enough? That we don't have all we need inside of us to tackle the challenges that we're going to face. That we don't know what's best for our lives. What if we recognize that complete dependence on God, even though it's a little bit scary, even though it's not a guarantee that things will turn out exactly how we want, what if we could recognize that dependency on God is far better than trusting ourselves? Can we begin 2022 by means of the Spirit? And then can we continue to live by means of the Spirit for the rest of the year and for the rest of our lives. And now may you go with this blessing. May you recognize your deep, deep need for your heavenly Father. May you trust God more than you trust yourself. And may you live in complete dependence on God in 2022 and until Jesus returns. Go in peace to love and to serve and to depend on your Lord. Thanks for being here today.